This program is brought to you by A to B Media Partners. Be sure to listen to the After Two Beers podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Pocket Casts. Also, make sure to visit www.aftertwobeers.com. Welcome to the After Two Beers podcast. I'm Dutch Dalton, joined as always by Gimme Gilbert. That's me. And we are only on take three. You know, we were asked a few episodes ago to let you know how many drinks we're on, but I think it would probably be more interesting to know how many takes it takes to get this thing. Third time's charm, I, I hear. I think so. You know, a few weeks ago it took us seven. I promise tonight it will not take seven. <laughs> we were quite a few shots in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We were drinking Satan's Taint that night. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, would you like to try some of that? No. 130 proof moonshine. It tasted like rubbing alcohol, like you just took a sip of your wife's facial cleanser. Oh, it was so bad that on the way home, I stopped at the gas station to get gas for my Jeep and just sprayed the first few ounces into my mouth to get the taste. (laughs) (laughs) It was smoother going down. (laughs) I did get the 92 octane. I mean, if I'm going to ingest some gasoline, I'm going to do the good stuff, right? (laughs) We are excited and very thankful to welcome our co-host for the week, and that is a member of Gibbler's family, yes. Mr. Eric Fancher. How's it going? Oh, it's not bad, buddy. How about you? Uh, we'll see. Yeah? Well, I <laughs> We'll pre- see if I get invited back. <laughs> Everybody always says that, and I promise you the worst things that are going to come out of anybody's mouth are mine and Gibbler's, so you'll be fine. <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, if you haven't listened to our show before, we basically have two segments. Uh, the first part is our own version of Paul Harvey. But this is like Paul Harvey that's like a modern kind of hipster kind of Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey drinking a couple beers. Oh, that's the rest of the story. <laughs> right. He's like that drunken uncle Paul Harvey. <laughs> right. The one uncle that everybody loves, but, you know, deep down they're like, I ain't driving him home, though. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what are you talking about? Because we always like, oh, man, we're going to have to drive him home. Right. <laughs> Paul's going to need to call his fourth wife to come get him. <laughs> But anyway, we do that part, and then we get into our funny news I'm stories. Uncle Paul. Yeah, and then <laughs> your uncle Paul. I just realized I'm Uncle Paul. <laughs> I think at any given time, any member of this show can be Uncle Paul. <laughs> That's true. And in some occasions, we have multiple Uncle Pauls. <laughs> but thanks for listening. We want to make sure that we thank the Innovation Center here in downtown Richmond, Indiana, the home of the After Two Beer Studio. If you listen to our show and you like this show, one of the other things that we highly recommend that you check out, and that's our social media pages. Gibbler, what ones do we have? We have Facebook, obviously. We have the old Twitter. Are we on Instagram? We I think are. We are on Instagram. Yeah. And then we have our own website. We www.after2beers.com. And that is where we have all kinds of cool stuff on there. That's really the way we should start saying it. After who does number two work for? Who does number two work for? Because everybody. you don't the, work for nobody. Yeah, between the three, <laughs> three of us, me, you, and AJ, and now with Eric here. We're going to have to rent five poor pots. <laughs> it's who does number two work for? Irritable bowel syndrome, apparently. IBS. <laughs> and this message is brought to you by IBS. You know you're over 40 when you gauge how far away it is. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to eat. I probably ought to wait 20 <laughs> minutes before I go. It's like, you know, in the past when you would swim and you would say, I got to wait 30 minutes to get in the water. 
now at 40 with irritable bowels, like, I got to get 30 minutes before I get in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to be safe. I wish that uh, that wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> Fanchers are the only ones if they take extra underwear <laughs> for family trips across town. That's like that meme we posted this week. It was like, you know, every time that I pack to go away somewhere, I pack apparently to where I'm going to shit my pants once or twice a day every day. Yeah, our family, it doesn't matter. It, it could be a story about a wedding and somehow it diverts into poops and farts uh, poops and farts it just yeah i just believe me i know gibbler very very well <laughs> i've had to edit out a lot of burps and farts on this show just burps you know that makes me wonder if the four of us 100 percent, deal with that kind of thing that means a lot of people are oh absolutely so how many people that are flying by you on the interstate that you're like what what's this asshole doing <laughs> in reality we really what his asshole is really doing <laughs> is <laughs> just being really puckered and yeah. cheeks are clenched it's holding on for dear life <laughs> right <laughs> well, I mean, i've you... seen the bumper sticker that's very true it says if i'm speeding it's because i gotta poop <laughs> <laughs> i've ran talk, a red light he's before talking about the money to keep this going i mean you could uh always like just bottle this up and Probably sell it off That's for energy. <laughs> what are you talking about? Methane. <laughs> methane. Oh. Yeah, methane, buddy. There you go. I now thought, he's calling me a cow. It's I fine. thought he wanted me to shit in a jar. Like, oh, <laughs> man. I haven't had nearly enough to drink yet. <laughs> like, I, I don't know about you gibblers. <laughs> and we also want to make sure we thank our sponsors, and that's the Sheridan Pub, which will be hosting our Halloween event and our music trivia evening at the end of October. Make sure you check out after2beers.com or our Facebook page for that exact date. And also New Boswell that proudly displays an After Two Beers studio poster. In the, it's like in a dark spot. <laughs> if you go in during the daylight, you can see it. So At night? Not no. so much. The Boz flashing right. distracts you. But other than that, we thank those guys down there. They've actually got a really cool show coming up on October 4th. It will be Donnie Baker. From Bob and Tom. Swear to God it will. Swear to God. State law, you got to go see him. (laughs) Part of the Mad Hatter shows. Those guys have been friends of ours for a while, so we want to make sure we we send out a shout-out to Mad Hatter and Donnie Baker for coming to New Boswell. All right, it's that time of the week where we put a little gas in the tank that we siphoned out of somebody else's car. We adjust the rearview mirrors and set the flux capacitor to November 15th, 1952. We fire up the After Two Beers time machine. That's right. It's A to B history time. Time machine? Time machine. Now, we're pretty proud of these. They've gone over pretty well so far. We've actually taken all of the audio from all of the A to B history segments and made all of that available on www.aftertwobeers.com. And the cool part is they're all under 10 minutes, so you literally have no reason to not learn some history. Eric, this is the part where you can really jump in and you guys can tag team me as fans. Oh. <laughs> That's awkward. Uh, yeah. Uh. Right. I've seen bad movies start this way. So this week's story is about a guy named Randall. Oh, Randall. Randall. Randall's from Columbus, Ohio. He was born on November 15th, 1952. He comes from a family of athletes. His father was an athlete. His brother was an athlete. And all Randall wanted to do was play baseball. Wanted to be a baseball player. I'm a huge Reds fan. You're a Reds fan? I'm a Reds fan. Red. I see the hat. I like you already. We'll vote later to see if you stay or Gibbler stays. I can only have one fancier on this show. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank SB Nation and SBNation.com. They provided a lot of the information we'll use today for the story on Randall and his baseball career. 
So Randall, he did well in high school. He actually was a two-time All-Star. Unfortunately, though, during the 1971 Major League Baseball draft, he didn't get any attention from any of the professional teams. But he did find out that the St. Louis Cardinals were hosting a invitation to allow prospects to come and practice in front of them. Because they'll take anybody. They Right. <laughs> right. Still in my line. <laughs> He's like, I've got one joke, and Gibbler already took it. I'm out. Good seeing you, Eric. (laughs) See you next time. So they drive to St. Louis from Columbus, Ohio, and almost 300 people showed up to try out. And Randall was the only one that made the team. So you're telling me you had a chance. He has a chance. Now, they paid him a whopping $500 a month (laughs) to play professional baseball. Randall played catcher and outfielder for the Cardinals. He was a determined worker. He had some pop in his bat. He uh, had a good eye at the plate. But really what made him really good was he had a really strong arm. What? Put it in my good arm. <laughs> right. He only had the one. <laughs> Have you seen the movie with M. Night Shyamalan? The Lady in the Water? No. Where the one guy just works out the one arm. It's like huge and massive, and the other one's just like scrawny. <laughs> oh, every scene you're like, I can't stop staring at the guy with the big arm. Sounds like a Rob Schneider movie. <laughs> right? All right. Or somebody's been single for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do this summer? <laughs> Myself. <laughs> repeatedly rapid one-arm pull-ups. <laughs> but listen how badass Randall was. We mentioned that he had that strong right arm, but he actually had a collision at home plate that damaged his shoulder. But his kid was so dedicated to trying to make a major league squad that he actually taught himself to throw with both arms. A good friend of his named John actually saw Randall throwing balls with his left hand and asked him what he was doing. And Randall replied, well, a coach might want me to pitch, but I don't want to burn out my arm. So I'll learn to do it lefty, and I'll save my right for the important things. That's phenomenal that he's ambidextrous. I can't even hardly turn a handle with my left hand. I'm blown away by it. Like I said, he had power. And to give you an idea of how he worked out, they said he used to swing a bat into a tire that he hung on a tree to get practice. Like to strengthen his hand and make sure he utilized his legs during swing. So, you know, like football guys are out throwing a ball through it. This guy's hitting up with a bat. (laughs) <laughs> he was really good at pinatas. Don't invite him to your ba- your birthday party. Right. Chop that wood. <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot of minor league baseball players, old Randall had a side hustle too. In the off seasons, he would still work out with his dad and his brother, and he would also participate in their sport. But deep down, he still wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. He played for four seasons. He actually played with St. Louis. Okay. And then he also played with the Chicago White Sox and played with the Cincinnati Reds as well. He batted two fifty four with 16 home runs and over 1,000 plate appearances in the minors. The problem was he had a lot of holes in his swing, and the minors were full of these huge ballparks. Yeah. So it, it kept his statistics down. In 1971, he started, and by 74, 75, he realized that it wasn't going to work out. So he decided that he would follow in his father and brother's footsteps, and he would join their sport. Now, his last name was Poffo. Instead of going by Randall, he went by Randy. Damn it, Randy. Randy. And they said (laughs) in this new sport, he was a wrestler. They said, you wrestle more like a savage. Ah, So we're going to call you Randy Savage. Nice. So So you're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) So this kid, Randall, that tried to be a Major League Baseball player and spent four years in the minors, ends up becoming the macho man, Randy Savage. The macho man. Now, do you know how, and I didn't know this until today, how he got the name the macho man? 
And because it's, his one arm. No, it's probably inspired, in all honesty, by the village people. His mom <laughs> was reading a Reader's Digest, and she heard that the Macho Man was going to be like term that people were going to start using a lot. And so he went from Randy Savage to the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, my God. So if it wasn't for Reader's Digest... <laughs> The guy snapping into the Slim Jim could have been Randy Popo. I was getting ready to say, <laughs> stop it to a Slim Jim. <laughs> nice. So there you go. Randy Macho Man Savage was a former member of the Cincinnati Reds organization. I want to find pictures of this now. What's cool about this for me is his father was successful and his brother was successful. His brother was leaping Lanny Poffo. He actually inducted the Macho Man into the WWE Hall of Fame. He was in Spider-Man, the good one, before they remade it 35 times. <laughs> and uh, he also has a cool rap song. And I'll play it underneath oh, this. Oh, yes. Please do. <laughs> Nobody dressed better. Oh, <laughs> man. I don't know. Ric Flair dressed pretty uh. fantastic. So there you go. There's your story this week. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got some stories that we thought would be kind of funny to go over. I'm ducking and everything. Died in the house, I'm, I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. Can I ask you, if you won all the money, what would you do with it? Bunch of hookers and cocaine. Oh, okay, that's not good. <laughs> well, I just had got done feeding my chickens, watering them and stuff, and I walked back to my house there to get my phone so I could play a video game on it. Told them they need to get out of that water. But say I didn't know he was getting eat up by bees. I thought he was just high. All right, here's our first story. This comes to us from New Bloomfield, Ohio. Police officers say no traffic stop is routine, and there's nothing routine when a deputy pulled over an Amish buggy. An Amish buggy. An Amish buggy, because the Mennonite buggies are worse. <laughs> but the Amish buggy. The deputy was on patrol in the heart of Trumbull County's Amish community. There's a lot of shenanigans. I mean, how fast can you go with two horsepower? (laughs) These are single horsepower. Single horsepower? (laughs) When he spotted a a buggy uniquely outfitted with a large stereo system on Donnelly Road, according to (laughs) WJW. According to the report, he saw two Amish men drinking inside the buggy a 12-pack of beer on top of the vehicle. And when he attempted to stop and question the two men about drinking and driving, they jumped out of the buggy and ran, <laughs> disappearing into the heavily wooded area on the side of the road. Now, I, I can't imagine that you could catch two Amish guys running through the woods. Do they even oh. have an ID? <laughs> How do you describe them? Right? What were they wearing? Uh, a hat, <laughs> dark clothes, <A> beard. <laughs> white shirt, black stirrup pants. Does anybody match that description in your community? I think his last name was Graber. <laughs> <laughs> they probably not were... to offend any Amish. Oh, that's right, they're not listening. No, our Amish, <laughs> our Amish demographics aren't very good. They were probably able to identify him later by using. You can't do it by DNA match. No, you could do DNA <laughs> just by the shit they leave on the side of the road. Oh, they've all got the same DNA. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure there's only two in that buggy? Because it matches 12 of you. <laughs> I want to do a MyHeritage DNA on an Amish community. <laughs> it looks it's like, like a willow tree. Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like that geranium I haven't put out of its misery out back. You know what? I'm glad you're here, buddy. We haven't had any excellent geranium jokes in weeks. <laughs> <laughs> According to the report, the horse pulling the buggy took off running. 
It was drunk too. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> it was what probably... was in its feed bag? <laughs> and the <laughs> death... <Time> out. <laughs> Sir, we found a bag on you. It's a feed bag. He's like, shit, the cops. <laughs> I wonder if that's how, like, a horse and buggy would react if the cop had pulled up on, like, a mounted patrol. Like, oh, shit, it's the cops. <laughs> the deputy gave chase, eventually catching up with it a short distance away. The deputy said, I've never operated an Amish buggy with a horse, but I'm told that the horse will know the way home regardless of whether the operator is awake or even in the buggy. And that horse went a little further down the road and onto an oil gas well road and stopped. So basically, these horses—they were able to find it. They're like Kit off Night Rider. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like Tesla ain't shit. We've had self-driving cars for years. <laughs> the deputy had the buggy towed from the scene. I wonder if the horse got to ride <laughs> in the front seat like with the driver. It uh, was the, an emotional support Amish <laughs> horse. Yeah. It's towed from this. Oh, it says right here, the horse was turned over to a local farmer for safekeeping until the owner can be identified. In a rite of passage known as Rumspringa, younger members of the Amish community are permitted to experiment with fluences out from the outside world, including trying to have sex with people that are not related to them. <laughs> <laughs> you put that in. I added that part. <laughs> uh. Unfortunately, they're not licensed as far as the buggy goes, but it is a vehicle. It's on the roadway, and OBI laws do apply. You're not allowed to drink and drive or operate a buggy. We should do police sketches. Oh, my God. And put them up. <laughs> police. Just copy and paste them all and just move like a mole around. I'd like to see a cop get out and just go up to the buggy and be like, you know your triangle's busted. <laughs> your triangle's busted. You know how looks fast you like were going? It looks more like a circle. Our next story, second story of the night, this comes to us from our favorite state of Florida. Oh. You know, normally I would read the story and then we'd get into it, but I'm just going to go ahead and read the headline to you because this is too good. Florida man arrested for botching in-home castration surgery. Oh, what? Have you, did you see this or no? Oh, no. No, here we go. I stay away from this was all within castration this week. stories. If that's the header, I stay away from stories <laughs> like that. It says Florida deputies have arrested a man for attempting to perform a castration inside his Highland County's home. Deputies recalled a 74-year-old Gary Van Rysk's home located on Ordinary Road in Sebring on August 18th. When they arrived, old Gary told a deputy he had just performed a castration on a man and encountered a major issue. Probably because he Probably was he's doing bleed castration. Out. Yes. So why was he castrating somebody? Well, we'll get to that. Like, I feel like this is Clint Eastwood going, you're not going to perform them acts ever again. No, 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 no. This isn't anything. The guy wanted it done. This uh, deputy's found a victim on a bed, bleeding heavily. And I believe that. I'm going to ask you a very personal question here. <laughs> and this is how the show works, okay? Uh, do you manscape or do you keep your junk cleaned up? You got to. Right. You ever cut your, your sack? That, it's, man. It bleeds like a stuck hog. Yeah. Right? So when the fact that this guy Jeez. had an issue and they said that he was bleeding heavily, I believe it. Because if you just scrape your sack, just barely. <laughs> Walking around with Kleenex stuck to your sack. <laughs> you got those little pieces of toilet paper like when you shave your face. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> your balls look like they're in a cast. <laughs> I don't have very, very why, sturdy. Why do you have mummy balls? <laughs> right. Yeah, bleeding heavily with a towel over his groin. 
The victim was flown to a nearby hospital and is said to be in stable condition. During the investigations, deputies found two body parts in a pink container presumed to have belonged to the victim. So it's either two testicles or that's where it went horribly wrong. (laughs) Right. It was one yeah. testicle and a dingle dongle. <laughs> or like just the tip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a camera was set up to record the procedure. Gary told the deputies he had met the victim on the dark web on a site geared towards people who have a castration fetish. What? Who has a, a fetish to have their balls chopped off? Now, this is the part that's <laughs> odd to me. They Obviously, they don't list the victim's names, but Gary told the deputies he had tried to perform the procedure on the victim last week, but had to delay. You know, we have to delay this podcast on multiple occasions. But, but the moment never- the moment I'm going over to somebody's house is going to chop my nuts off in their house. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I got to watch more YouTube videos before I do this. Probably going to cancel. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to go over to that house. According to the release, Gary told the victim that he had experienced on animals and he'd even removed one of his own testicles in 2012. Oh, my and God. And that was probably in a shaving accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said he had also had done a similar procedure on a man in a local motel a few years ago. Did not end well, according to the Highland <laughs> County Sheriff's <laughs> Office. He was Can arrest- you imagine cleaning up that hotel room? Oh, my God. Jeez. <laughs> it gives it a whole Put new... Put a ball in the lost and found. Oh, it's a whole new... I'd give my left nut. <laughs> Man, uh, Gary was arrested on Monday and charged with practicing medicine without a license, resulting in bodily injury, a second-degree felony. His bond was set at $250,000. So here's our third news story. And this one, I actually think you're going to start to hear more and more of these. So this one comes to us from Pennsylvania. A man was arrested in June for allegedly dropping explosive devices in eastern Pennsylvania via a drone targeting his ex-girlfriend's home. Oh, my. This guy, Jason, 44, was taken into custody in (laughs) Northampton County by the FBI and local authorities after he was linked to the explosions. Evidence at his home and his business, Bangor Motor Works, tied into several explosions in the township since March. So, basically, he had taken devices that could explode strapped them <laughs> to like drone. works bottles with aluminum foil in them <laughs> he had to fly it back and forth to shake it up <laughs> what he did is he was trying to fly two drones at once he had one that was had mentos attached to it one with diet coke <laughs> trying to get him to meet up <laughs> they actually have a neighbor his name is Charles, whose surveillance cameras caught at least one of the explosions, and he told the news outlet he thinks the explosive devices were filled with other dangerous materials. He goes, one day I was in the driveway doing something, and all of a sudden I heard them. It rained nails. They came out of the sky. Oh, wow. They dropped down from the sky. No one was around. Nobody went by and threw them. They dropped from the sky. So, Nailed it. Well, <laughs> barely missed it. Oh, wow. <laughs> the neighbor suspected it was this guy. He claims he confronted him and asked him to stop, but the explosions got worse. And he was indicted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania for possessions of homemade bombs and firearms. Wow. Yeah. But that's what's going to start happening now. I see this becoming an issue. Definitely. Especially around airports or let's say he does this nail thing at a sporting event. Right. It's crazy. Wow. Like the last story, they're going to have deflated balls. (laughs) (laughs) Pratz. Uh, he's going to get a bunch in prison. <laughs> All right. Time for our last story this week. And this one comes to us from Australia. Australia. My British in, in Australia. Why would not the shrimp on the barbie? They're the exact same. 
So this one comes to us from a huge fire at a cattle breeding facility in Australia, and it's caused thousands of dollars in damage. There was at least 100 cylinders that contained bull semen that were destroyed. It took 10 fire crews more than two hours to fully extinguish the fire as it broke out around 3 a.m. They said the fire completely shredded the building, and Country Fire Authority Gippsland Commander... I'm just going to say his name's Chris. <laughs> the crew had to be wary of projectiles coming at them while they tackled the blaze. So these... So bull semen was like flying at their face. Yes. Yes. That's like a bad Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> you think your job sucks? I mean, there... That one blows. There, there was a bunch of people in tears just thinking about... You have any idea how many how many I had to jack off to get all that? Right. And now, I bet the firefighters yeah. came out looking like on Food Network when oh, they showed my the glazed donut special yeah. where they're going down the conveyor oh. line. Or they look like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters <laughs> when he got slimed. I was going to say, is that stuff flammable? Good night. <laughs> There's a uh, lot of socks in this town that would be like flammable. Uh, they said firefighters went into a defensive mode initially to protect themselves because there were also LPG cylinders at the neighboring property. They did a magnificent job. The actual cylinders are worth between $500 and $1,000 per unit, but the semen inside them varies in price. Now, this is interesting. So if you listen to our show, you're going to get some knowledge here. Apparently, the value can range from $5 a straw to $95 per straw. I want to know the size of a straw <laughs> and how much bull semen is $95. I feel like they're pretty big straws. It's got to be like one of those pixie sticks. Yes, yeah. the, big, the big the big, hollow ones. You think that's for 95 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you've ever seen how those the size of the straws that they have to inseminate cows with, they're huge. So yeah. I feel like it's pretty decent sized straw. Screw those turtles. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is, this is going to be one of those stories, though, where now it's going to get people can make money going on a farm after hours of jacking Stealing off. semen? Cows. Or jacking them off. You know, if you have one that's like impotent or something, you got to take your buddy so he can stick his fist up its ass. <laughs> I don't think they have impotent bulls there. They would have already put that one out to butcher. They take a really hot cow with lingerie yeah. on out. Moo. Moo. Right. The bad part is they don't know if it's a good cow or not, so they have to know by taste. Oh. Oh. Like, oh, that's about $30 straw right there. You know those firefighters are like, not in my eye, not in my eye. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, if there is some dude, you know, like the, they always show the dude like in a movie, like the cocaine, and he always slices it open, he sticks his finger in there and looks at, you know, he got. <laughs> is that the $5 or the, the $95? With the, bull, with, with the bull semen, they're showing up there, and he screws the lid off there, he dips his finger in there. He's, no. <laughs> he goes, no. Nice try, that's horse. Yeah. <laughs> no. Per the uh, the fire captain, there is significant damage, and it's going to have a flow effect on your flow own. Apparently, they've been, they've been fighting a drought, and he also <laughs> said, actually, maybe this puts the drought out. I don't know. I see how this works, though. The more alcohol that gets consumed, the stories <laughs> they, 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 they draw you in. They do, but we can start all over. This is why we don't normally offer our guests bottles of water. Uh. <laughs> Yardum Herd Services Committee Vice Chairman Aaron Thomas said the loss of 100 cylinders of cattle semen 
will be a huge blow for the firm. A huge <laughs> blow. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, I guess it's a piece of advice if you're a firefighter and a uh, a sperm bank catches on fire, let them put that one out like they do wildfires in California. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Eric, thank you very much for being on the show. It took us about 18 times to get you on, which is our fault, not yours. One of them, I'm not going to lie, was a hangover that I had that I had to reschedule for. <laughs> I just was no condition. I just thought I was living the American dream. The first day I got uh, got the text, I was literally out in my yard scraping up raccoon shit. So I, <laughs> I get text like, you're going to be on the podcast. And I was like, hell yeah. That's a lot better than cleaning up raccoon I, shit. I took that shovel and I freaking threw it like a boss. And I was like, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to be podcast star. Well, I hope that works out for you because that hasn't for us. <laughs> I lost my job a while ago. I'm going to be back to shoveling hey, raccoon shit yeah, soon. Some bull semen. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good straws. We want to make sure that we remind our listeners to go look at our webpage. Yes, buy some swag. We've got some awesome t-shirts out there. Pre-order our drunk hunt. We have some inventory. And just make sure you buy some swag. Show us some love. We've got that Patreon on there. And then if you like our stories, make sure you go and listen. There's some some of that. And then Dutch in his uh, midlife crisis. He's got some blogs going on out there. I'm proud of you, buddy. Well, thank you. Thanks again to Eric and Gibbler. I think we'll talk to them all next week. After two beers. See ya.